In this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Claire, founder of The Fitting Room, co-founder of The Modern Gentry, and author of The Suit Book. Claire runs Queensland's largest clothing alterations team, with a focus on helping professional men look their best. Claire, thanks so much for um, coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Can you tell the story of how you began The Modern uh, Gentry? So I came up with the concept of modern gentry with a friend last year. And that is because, um, I guess, from my main business, the fitting room on Edward, with the fitting room, I perfect suits for professionals. So we help guys look and feel good in their clothing. But working the business for so many years, I realized there was still a lot of areas guys are lacking knowledge and they want a bit more polishing, I guess. And so I thought we'll start the modern gentry just as a avenue for guys to learn more about how to be a professional and how to be the modern gentleman. And so we run events varying from professional styling to etiquette to presentation. And in the future, we will also want to extend into more areas um, like culture and being media ready, a lot of other kind of professional training type of um, events. Okay, and who's, who's your sort of target audience for the modern gentry? Our target audience will be the young professionals out of uni, maybe within the first five years of their career. They've got a good job. They're usually working corporate or sales, and they really want to impress their clients, and they want to get the promotion. They want to become the CEO, men and ladies. So all these skills, it is really gender neutral. Everyone needs to be well presented to get ahead in life. So through these events, are they, are they more one-offs or do you, um, are you envisioning running, um, running programs as well through the modern gentry, like a, you know, a three-day course, for example? Right now, we're starting just with monthly social events. Each month, it's a different theme. So our first one was professional styling. We had a stylist team and we talked about style personalities, how to dress the best for your personality, how to feel comfortable and how to build a capsule wardrobe. And that was uh, very engaging. All the guys loved it. We got some very good testimonials out of that. In April, we had a wine and cheese event. So that's um, a little bit of culture, I guess, going through basics of tasting wine and buying good cheese, what the different types of cheeses are, what wine goes with what. So next time you go to a business dinner, got a bit of knowledge, you can start a conversation, you don't have to pretend to know wine. Because I know a lot of people, myself included, I feel very nervous when it comes to ordering wine in front of other people because it feels like a test of your knowledge, of your culture, cultural knowledge. So it's definitely something that we want to keep doing in the future as well. So we might run a couple of wine events in the future. Our next event is about suiting. So that will be the launch of my book, The mm-hmm. Suit Book. And that's all the basics that every young professional needs to know, when, especially everyone that needs to wear a suit every day. You know, how to buy a suit, look after a suit, wear a suit, decoding the dress code, all the basics. And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's one of those things that you're, not, you're not, um, not really taught growing up. You sort of tick a box almost and you go and, you go and buy a suit, but you don't really, um, you know, a lot of people I'm sure don't, don't get the time um, or don't pay the money to get it tailored. Oh, definitely. In Europe, people are a little bit more knowledgeable about suits because I guess that's in England, that's where suits actually came from. Everyone understands tailoring, they understand dress codes a lot better. 
But in Brisbane, we're such a young country and we're so casual, dress codes can become very blurry. Um, no one teaches you how to buy a suit or wear a suit. And it doesn't really, there's no class about it and it doesn't really get passed down generation to generation. So that's why I wrote the book to, you know, it's really a little manual that everyone should read right, <laughs> before going to the workforce. A way to uh, a way to educate the masses, I guess, but before turning up to their uh, to their first job. Yeah, you see a lot of young guys working, maybe in a bank or an accountancy firm, and their suit you can tell is bought off the rack. They're just wearing as it is. It just looks like they're playing dress up. It's not tailored to them, and they're not feeling good in it. And it's not that hard to look well dressed. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You just need to have the basic knowledge on how to buy and get it fitted. Yeah, and I guess when you when your um, when your clothes fit, it sort of instills this sense of um, confidence. There's nothing worse than having a um, an ill fitting, I guess, garment, and then your mind is always worrying about it. Definitely, I'm a very short person, so everything I buy needs to be altered. And if something doesn't fit, like you said, you just spend all day tugging on your clothing, feeling uncomfortable. And whoever you're talking to will feel the same as well. All they'll feel is uncomfortableness and they'll feel that you are not confident and you don't know what you're doing because you can't even get dressed properly. Oh, for sure, definitely. You know, it's it's, it's one less worry and then you, then you can, you know, project your best self forward instead of worrying about what the, um, the other person will think of what you're wearing. Yeah. And like they say, you know, first impressions count. So if, you're, if you turn up in a... If you turn up well presented... You know, it can definitely make a difference, I'm sure. And I'm sure you found when people do come in, I guess, to the fitting room, the transformation that occurs when they when they walk out. Oh, definitely. Um, people come in, usually they're a little bit unsure. They bring their guns, oh, can you do this? Are you sure? Do you think this will look okay? And uh, we train our, all of our fitting staff very well. You know, we make sure we achieve the look that the client wants. You know, we don't make everyone look the same. It depends on what their personality is, what their work is, how they want to look, and we help them tailor the suit to uh, match that. And every time they pick up this suit, they you can see they stand up straighter, their eyes light up, they just feel a hundred times better. And they walk out of our shop with more confidence, and they're just so grateful. And um, sometimes they they just surprised at what what difference a little bit of tailoring can do. What strategies do you use to run a team of um, twenty four staff? At the fitting room, <laughs> must be a it must uh, must be a challenge. It's not easy, but I'm very lucky we have good staff. I mean, work culture is um, number one. Whenever I hire someone, um, the first thing I say is, doesn't matter how good you are at your job, you need to fit in. Um, I have a very multicultural team. We have staff from all over the world. We speak many many languages in the store. So when I hire someone, you know, you have to be open-minded to different cultures. We're all here to help each other. We're trying to use, you know, kind of um, languages that everyone understands. We don't try and overcomplicate things. And we're all working together to achieve the same result. People usually, at the interview, they see, if we can see if it's a good fit or not. And then once they are as part of the team, everyone help each other. We treat them like family. They just have a good time. You know, we work hard, but we play hard. How important do you find um, having strong values at the fitting room helps to instill your corporate culture? Uh, very important. 
Um, so how the fitting room is different to every other alteration store out there is our emphasis on quality. Every tailor is proud of what they do. They alter a garment, they iron it, they brush it, they cling it, and they just hold it up and they feel proud of what they've done, how good it looks. And when the client comes in happy, we pass the message down to the tailor, or we'll get the tailor to come out and have a look. Sometimes the client will thank them, they'll bring us gifts, and that just re-emphasizes um, the importance of good service and good quality. We don't compete on price or speed or, no, we don't do this cheaper. It's a great way to uh, differentiate yourself, especially with that, that quality aspect. I'm sure there's, there's um, many tailors around that emphasize just on, um, just on price or speed. I guess it really misses the point, I think. If you think about what, what, why you're tailoring a suit. Exactly. You've paid hundreds of dollars for a garment to make you look good, and then if you go somewhere that doesn't do a good job, it just destroys you know, the whole point of having a good suit. And that's where you can fall short very quickly. What are some of the choices that have made you who you are? You mentioned your um, team's quite multicultural. Is that an extension of your background as well? Yes, so I came from China when I was 11 years old. I grew up here pretty much. And my mom started the business initially just to put food on the table and to put me through school because she was a single mom. But having a multicultural team, I think it, it just is just the um, nature of the business. In alterations, it's a very old kind of trade that is not really found in Australia. All of our tailors, they would have, they have learned their skills from overseas uh, we do have a couple of Australians but the majority of them have learned their skills from overseas because it's much more common over there and a little bit less common here and I think that's why we end up with a multicultural team and probably also we're a little bit more accepting you know a lot of our tailors don't speak English very well so I'm able to speak Chinese with them to help to bridge the communication moving back to the modern uh, gentry what's the big picture what's the, what's the big goal for um for that long term? Our vision is to help young professionals become the person they want to be in all aspects of their life. So we facilitate that through our program. Right now it's casual workshops, but in the future, once we get uh, more clients, more resources, um, we will start to do more professional development kind of um, training courses. I mean, I'm not the professional to deliver them because everything that we do are things that I want to learn myself. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely be looking to getting some um, facilitators and program developers to help us create this program because I'm really passionate about wanting to become a more polished, well-spoken. I want to be media ready. I want to get dressed easily and look well-polished every time. I want to be able to communicate more efficiently and effectively to all kinds of people, you know, no matter what their age, their position and language and culture. I guess it comes back down to, I'm not sure if you've heard the quote by Tim Ferriss, uh, but he says, um, scratch your own itch. Uh, <laughs> sounds like you've, uh, I guess that's how it started, I guess, the modern gentry. You, you had all these, um, all these desires to be, I guess, a better person. Yeah. Um, and, and started the company around that. I think it's, um, it's a great idea. I th- and, and I think in the Brisbane market, coming from Brisbane myself, it's something that doesn't really exist at the moment, especially not uh, for those that are early in their, in their professions. Yeah, I think Brisbane is growing very fast. You know, before we pride ourselves on being casual, 
be very relaxed. But now that um, the world is becoming more globalized, you know, we're communicating with overseas cultures um, a lot more regularly. You definitely need to be ready for any kind of occasion. That change in the Brisbane environment, is that happening quicker and quicker, you know, every year? Is, is it an accelerating um, change? I think so. Just in my own business, I can see in the last three to four years, Brisbane men are suddenly becoming much better dressed. They want to dress better. I mean, even just looking at the food, the cafes and the international food that's popping up around the place. You know, the quality of food is getting better. The quality of fashion is improving. So yeah, definitely I think we're growing to a little bit of a different culture in Brisbane. We try to overtake Melbourne or Sydney, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the gap between Brisbane and Melbourne and I guess Sydney as well, it's definitely, um, we're definitely closing the gap on them pretty quickly. What's been one of your biggest lessons in the last um, couple of years, either through the, the fitting room or, or the modern gentry, which you started last year? I've learned so many lessons. <laughs> I think the most important one is to concentrate on one thing, concentrate on what you're good at and what you love doing. So for me, the fitting room, I just love um, making making suits look better. So we focus on professionals, uh, men's suiting, and that, um, yeah, that extended into the modern gentry. If I was like any other clothing alteration shop, I would say I do wedding dress, I do ladies wear, I do leather, I do fur, you know, then it doesn't, we're not really good at anything. Mm. Yeah, just scattering your attention. Yeah, no, niching, niching is quite important. Um, it allows you to get better at what you do um, so much faster than if, you are, if you're a generalist. And if you love what you're doing, you'll do it much better. You have more energy and um, yeah, you, it's much better focus and you achieve more in the end. You seem quite confident these days. Has it always been something you've, you've had, that, that confidence, or is it something you've developed? <laughs> um, I just pretend to sound confident. <laughs> Um, there's definitely an imposter syndrome that I took some time to overcome. The fitting room is a family business. I'm second generation and I've taken it over uh, only a few years ago. And initially I didn't want to be the face of the business because this is not my first um, career. I used to be a pharmacist. I just came into the business a few years ago, so I'm learning on the job. I still come so, but I'm learning to do good fittings now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, well, who am I to tell people how to dress? Um, from a multicultural background, I'm a woman, I'm very short. You know, it's hard to pull myself forward as the authority in menswear, professional menswear. But I have had very good advice from a few good friends and through some business development courses that I've done. You know, you are unique. Every person's unique in the combination of experiences and knowledges that you have. Um, so I just try and think about that every time I feel the imposter syndrome coming back on again. The imposter syndrome definitely is quite pervasive in, um, in entrepreneurship in general, not only in Australia, but, um, but overseas as well. Um, yeah. it, it is, that's a good point that you make, um, that we're all, we're all unique and we're all a unique combination of our past experiences and we've all got unique skills to bring to the world. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
But in my book, it would just be the unique experience I have gathered from my years working in the clothing alterations industry. And when I first wrote it, I said, kept saying to people, I hope you don't read it. Nobody read it, please. It's like a <laughs> <bad> book. <laughs> um, but then I've shown it to a few people, mm-hmm. and I have gotten amazing response. You know, people that um, I showed it to on um, a very prominent business coach who's very well dressed. And even he said, wow, this is well written and he's learned so much from it. And I was very surprised by that. So we'll see when the book comes out next month what kind of response we'll get. I mean, that, that, that's fantastic endorsement already. So I, look, I wish you all the luck and, um, you know, it's so brave, brave of you to, to write your own book. I think it's something that a lot of people don't, don't get to do in this world and, it, you know, it, it really is putting yourself out there. Thank you. <laughs> What's your definition of the grind? I don't think of the work as the grind at all. I just really enjoying, um, enjoy what I do. You know, marketing the business, teaching people, helping people. The grind will be people who don't enjoy what they do. If I say the word grind, I would think back to my pharmacy days. I think mm-hmm. working as a pharmacist in a pharmacy every day, just dishing out drugs, repeating the same thing day in, day out with no one really listening to you. That would be the grind. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Would really appreciate it if you left a rating. For more inspiring stories and advice, follow Stories Behind the Grind on Instagram and Facebook. Bye.